With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. What is up? Field Street Forum Radio is on the air. Wednesday, August the 9th. A little after 8 p.m. It is time for Field Street Forum Radio to talk. Georgia football, Georgia recruiting, pretty much any football-related thing, as we found out last week. We can we can talk Big 12. We can talk Texas Tech, baby. We can talk whatever you want to talk about. But the main focus is Georgia football and Georgia recruiting. I'm your host, The Real Dre, joined, as always, by Jason Harry Dog. What's going on, man? Man, I want to talk Texas Tech again. <laughs> That was pretty fun, actually, having that guy call in. <clears throat> got de- got down to it, talked about your boy Cliff Kingsbury, if he's going to be a coach or if he's going to turn into a model or what's, what's he going to do. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's, it's almost here. You can kind of start hearing more. You know, obviously, I listen to, you know, college talk on uh, Sirius XM. I listen to that channel a good bit, and it's, you can definitely tell a difference between the uh, people calling in and the and the even the I think the analysts I think are a little more excited right now because it's you know you can kind of feel it getting here in the football air. Football is in the air. Football is on TV right now. Houston, even even though it's preseason, it's at least live action. I've never seen. I've never been so excited to see Cam Newton in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 sissy, ain't even playing. Yeah, yeah, he's not on it. Deshaun Watson be should be coming up for too long, and uh, yeah, yeah, should be able to see him coming or back to watch his home. Ramsey play third string since we picked him over Watson, basically. <laughs> well, I almost said he's coming back to his home state, but uh, or at least his region, general region. How about that? His home state, Georgia, and his uh, playing days in South Carolina. So. Kind of near hey, this, Carolina. If this was like, okay, this, okay, one last thing, and I'm gonna quit being the negative jerk. <laughs> if this was like halfway through the season or towards the end, we could watch the quarterback that we recruited over against the quarterback that we recruited as a tight end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have uh, wanting him to try out. First, both, then, uh, both first round picks in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, I think top ten. What number one overall, and then number eight. Number in the, twelve, wasn't it? Or twelve? Was it twelve? Yeah, I well, think then, so. Hell, they thought he was going to go as a top pick early on before that, so, but he dropped eventually. I just like I watching think. these hit each other. I, I do love watching these freaking Carolina linebackers play. They're nasty. Yeah, well, Thomas Davis and. Uh, Keek, is Keekly back or no? Yeah, he's back. He made like the second tackle of the game. And I, I thought, I really thought, 
I'm you know I'm not a huge fan of his since I'm not really a Panthers fan, but uh, I thought his career was done after seeing the way he reacted. Man, he like messed up. He was, he was he was Daniel Cormier messed up. Yes, very good analogy on that. He, uh, but that was like his third or fourth one, I think, isn't it? Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, second or third he's got to be done, or at least reported anyway. Yeah, and that's the scary thing is, you know, you hear guys like when I really noticed the concussion thing going on was pretty much a couple of Cowboys with uh, Aikman and uh, Moose Johnson. Oh yeah, and they, oh, yeah, and they, Moose. And they, you know, they said once you get one or two, that they they happen easier and easier as well. So on top of being more damaging, so. Oh yeah. It's it's tough, man. I I don't know where the I don't know where the sport's going to really go. I mean, I'm hearing more and more people talk about not allowing contact until maybe middle school. I think Coverville kind of came out now that he's an analyst. He's starting to say more and more about the dangers of of contact all the time, especially with young I kids. You know, I just hadn't looked into it enough to see how much that hitting at a young age plays into it. I mean, I'm sure it has some kind of effect. Yeah. And uh, you know, saying look, you know, play flag football or different different things like that until until like middle school, basically, is what they're was the, the theory that I heard. Um, you know, who knows, man? It's uh, hey, that Houston running back just made a nasty run for a touchdown. Yeah, That's pretty good. Real nasty cutback. Who? Uh, yeah, you my boy, Blue. <laughs> Who uh, did uh, the Georgia center, not Andrews, but the uh, the older guy, did, is he still the center in, in Houston or has he moved on? Oh, oh God, what's his name? Um, I remember at one time they moved on the guard. Oh, okay. I can't remember if he moved back to center or not, but I think he is still with them. Okay. Because every time uh, I'm walking around barefooted and eating grass and mud, all kind of crazy stuff. He's still eating grass? <laughs> yeah, he's from, like, because he's from, like, the country part of Alabama. Yeah, he's over from Alabama. Um, it's, he was, and I can't believe I'm blanking on his name right now, but. uh, I know, if you had asked me, I could have told you. Right. be ashamed. I know. Yeah. <laughs> David he Andrews was, is the guy now. He's just the old guy. All right. Yeah, this is the, the guy. Ben Jones. Good Lord. Yeah, Ben Jones was a – definitely became the fan favorite with the – eating the turf and from from uh, at Tech – after the win at Tech and everything. And just his general play overall really is what sold the – Dog Nation on him, obviously, but um, hey, I'm glad you brought up UGA centers. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of folks are talking Sean Fogarty now. Yeah, talk talk to the folks about that. What what you've been hearing on and, and seeing on that with with uh, the offensive line, maybe you know, it's so kind everybody. Of I think 247 was the first one I read that was talking about him. Then, I mean, you know, everybody sees the same thing at practice. So, you know, I mean, at, after practice, it wasn't a big secret. But 
they had, they were they were talking Fogarty's and Galliard for the starting center role. Wow. And, and, and Fogarty's the walk on from Savannah State. Right. Yeah, he transferred from Savannah State uh, last year, right? And uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, because he's listed as a junior. And uh, so I asked one of the guys that wrote about him, and uh, and you know he said, that, "Don't look too much into it yet. You know, it's just more of a you know pushing them, and not that Galliers look bad or anything, but that it's just good competition that they're building, basically." Good. But he also said Fergie kind of gives people a David Andrews vibe. Oh really? Yeah, so that's that's a good thing. That's what well, was told look, to me. That wasn't yeah, written I down. Up, I looked him up on the roster, and he's he's like six four, two ninety seven, something like that. Um, I think he's three oh five now. Oh wow, okay. Ain't and better. And basically a mean sob. <laughs> basically, well, basically Coos Coolin now with about thirty pounds on him. Right, you know that that can that can move people because poor Coos man, he was just undersized, dude. Yes, and he was mean uh, as hell though. I mean, you know, I mean, God, since his what junior senior in high school when he took Kim Dichie one on one and put him in the ground, you know, you could tell then he was just mean as a rattlesnake. <laughs> but you know, I mean, he just didn't have the size, man. Especially at two feet football. Right. He's, you know, he just really couldn't get enough push. Well, and he's the the Fogarty kid is from Benedictine uh, originally, or high played oh, high yeah. school ball at Benedictine. So that's, you know, you know, he knows he's got some solid discipline instilled in him. And, yeah, they don't they don't play at Benedictine. Yeah, and he's you know, and, and it's been a kind of a downhill offensive line scheme. They usually you know real heavy run based offense that they use. So, well, I, think, know, I think I think at Savannah answer. State they had put him out at like left tackle, which you know, oh, well, course, you know he's play, he's not going to play that at UGA, but you know right. But I mean, if you take a position or a position group where okay, just say if it was a running back, you could probably be worried that we're thinking about starting a running back from Savannah State. Right. Or a quarterback from Savannah State. That's when you know you might have been in a little bit of trouble. Right. You know, if, if, if something like that, you know, if, and God Almighty, it's another negative thing, so I'll just pile on tonight, I guess. But <laughs> you should be worried when you're starting left tackle just transfer from Rhode Island. <laughs> nah. But one of the positions where you can't say, oh, God, we're screwed. It is the center. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, look at, okay, David Andrews. Center position, you don't have to be quite as long, quite as athletic. I mean, of course, you want them to be, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's more intangibles where you could bring in a Savannah State guy and start him at center more than there is the physical traits. We're okay if we're starting a left tackle from Rhode Island. 
we're screwed. <laughs> right. There's, there's a lot of that middle ground stuff, a lot of those intangibles that you want to see as a center to where you can get away a little bit more with them not being a big six foot five, 350-pound athletic type, you know, with long arms and skinny ankles and, you know, the whole nine yards. Right. Basically, if you get a big, smart, mean SOB in there, that's good news. Yes. It's good to, uh, and you can kind of, I won't say hide because you can't, you know, you still got to be strong in the middle as we've seen, you know, the last, like you're saying with uh, Cabano, but you can kind of, as long as he's smart, able to recognize the defenses and the defensive fronts and make the line calls, like you said, as long as he, he's physical enough and, and able to hang in the middle, you can cover up, like you said, limited athleticism or things like that with, uh, you know, the, the kind of guards and, and tackles that we have coming in. And yeah, I mean, look, at, like, look at David Andrews. I mean, he's obviously a damn good center. I mean, the Patriots took him, didn't even draft him. Signed him as a free agent, mm-hmm. and and Brady handpicked him and said, basically, that's our center. Right. But I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a big, short, stocky, mean as hell, smart dude. He's not, <laughs> he's interested in athletic. I mean, he's twice as athletic as I am, but you know, I mean, football comparability wise, he's not athletic. No doubt. Um. By the way, Deshaun Watson is in the game now, so if you care to peruse games on NFL Network. Um, some talk, too, obviously, um, some concern with uh, Isaiah Wynn having been out for the last couple of days. Was he back today? Or no, he's still out, but, I mean, Kirby Smart said in, the, said in the presser he's just sick, which Mikael Carter was also. said both of them were sick, and Carter's back. Gotcha. Uh, but uh said nothing bad wrong, he's just sick. And then I think people have seen him around. So, you know, he hasn't like kicked out of school or any crazy stuff. Oh no, 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 no. <clears throat> I'm just glad you know, not, you know, it didn't look like there were any kind of injuries or anything, so I think they're telling you know, telling the truth. I think it's just a little right. illness. And hopefully nothing extensive illness like you know, like a mono or oh, no. Thing like that, they can. But it has made the offensive line interesting because, what all week it's been uh, Ben Cleveland at right tackle, Kendley at right guard, Galliard at center, Andrew Thomas, the true freshman at left guard, and what Sims at left tackle, right? Yeah, that's gotta love seeing that. Made it kind of made it kind of interesting there. Yes, definitely. It's great to see the young guys already, whether it's by choice or by need. It's good to see the young guys already getting in and getting into the mix. You know, with the first and second string. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if you count red shirts, that's. I mean, that's three freshmen. Right. Two red shirt freshmen and one true freshman. Yes. Yes. You know, that's the kind of, that's, that was the goal from the very beginning, get bigger, get more talented, and that's what they're, that's what they've done so far, you know. 
Yeah, and at first she thought three positions were cemented, kind of cemented in with, what, Wynn at left tackle, Kenley at right guard, and Galliard at center, and now that Fogarty's kind of pushing him. I mean, yeah. and, and nobody's saying Fogarty won the job already or already has the job. I think Galliard's still running more with the first team, but but just say Fogarty does beat him out, I mean, that's that's four newcomers, basically. Right. Oh, Kenley, Kenley played, what, the one play last year and was able to get the red shirt? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you know, Big Ben's cool. never played. So, I mean, that's that'd be four newcomers across the line mm-hmm. if that were to happen. Yeah. No doubt. Which um, is probably a good thing considering we didn't play that. We didn't get a lot of push off the ball last year. <laughs> right. No doubt. Um, sliding out a little bit to uh, some of the more skill positions. How about the uh, kind of the the mojo that uh, DeAndre Swift is kind of building up with his ability to to you know break out almost as a wide receiver, you know, than using him out of the backfield so well. Hey, we need to recruit Pennsylvania more often. No kidding. Webb's because oh, Mark Webb's been going off too. Yes. That's that's something else I was told about practice. The past couple of practices, because I was, like, all over Holloman after his spring game. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they said the past couple of practices, Mark Webb's looked better than him. Yeah. And it's nothing like, you know, Holloman's always screwing up there or whatever, you know. It's just he still looked good, but Webb's just going off, dude. And then Crumpton's originally from Pennsylvania. The uh, Isaiah McKenzie number two. So I mean, hey, he he getting those Pennsylvania dudes. Yeah. Used to be known for their quarterbacks. Maybe they're now known for their receivers and yeah, skill positions. Yeah. Man, DeAndre uh, Swift like Jack too, boy. Yes. Man. I'll say, man. You know, I mean, obviously Chubb and and Sony are the main. Too, but Swift's coming into play, you know. He uh, he may be your number three guy this year. Yeah, especially with the ability, like you said, to because you he, he it seems like you can play him. You know, you can flex him out. You know, put him in motion out into the flats or something like that. Or um, well, from really from what they're saying, problems. from what they're saying, I think you're going to see a lot of two backs at the same time in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, run your play and then being able, you know, to go no huddle and flex a Swift or Sony Michelle out to the slot. Right. Stuff like that. And, you know, then who's going to, then who's going to freaking cover them. Right. Or kind of give you, kind of give you those matchups that, that you can take advantage of. Yeah. Cause if you go, you know, if you're, if you're going with a, you know, a four, two, five or a nickel or something like that, you know, just keep pounding it up the middle. I mean, you know, keep running the ball with it, you know, out of that same same formation group grouping. And then if it's, you know, if they try to do that, and then if you have to audible too, you know, I mean. Right. If they go heavy, you know, base defense 4-3 or 3-4 or, or whatever, that's going to put a linebacker trying to cover Swift or uh, or Sony. Or at best, oh, so defense. Get, oh, it'd be quick. Yes, exactly. 
Hey, the more options, the better on offense, I'm going to tell you. All right, how about the wild dog then? All about matchups. Uh, yeah, how, 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 how about the wild dog then? Yeah, well, what did they say? Sony and uh, was it Hardman have been getting some snaps? Oh, yeah. But it That's wasn't right. a wasn't the same one from last year. Wasn't the one guy in the backfield sent another guy in motion and 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 the other team knows where the ball is going. Mm-hmm. It was uh, either in pistol or shotgun with two running backs back there with them. Oh, you talk about QB Reed. <laughs> oh, dude, you could do so much with that. I mean, you're, you're sitting back there to say it's McCole. You sitting that bit back there, McCole running the wild dog, and you got Chubb and Tony back there with him. Yep. I mean, you 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 know you you obviously got Chubb going one way, Sony going the other way. McCole can keep it. I mean, you do the freaking triple option. McCole can pass it. I mean, he's not. You know, I mean, I don't think he passed the ball a lot last year playing quarterback. Because I think it was just get the ball in his hands and let him do whatever he has to do. But I mean, mm-hmm. he can throw the ball. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, of course was high, was a quarterback in high school, you know. So. Yeah, I mean, so he's taking snaps. You know, it won't be, you know, teaching him how to take a snap and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same with Godwin. You know, Godwin ran that one play last year that didn't turn out too great, but. You know, Godwin played quarterback his last year of high school. So, you know, kind of kind of the same thing. Right. No doubt. Um, but I, I like I like the way they switched it up where it's two running backs back there with them. Yeah. So, you know, you it, do some counter and some fakes and some – I mean, it just opens up so many different things. Right. It makes the defense think – about so many more things that could happen, you know. Any more, the more you can make them think, the the slower they can react. So, well, you do, and and you do something like that, and I mean, they're not going to substitute and put an extra defensive lineman in there, right? To stop, you know, up the middle or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, no doubt, it, it you definitely need to see more. From the offense and, and, you know, a little more versatility would be great. You know, see, allow Chaney hopefully to be able to spread things out more and and open things up a little bit more. It just seems like we were so predictable on offense last year, which was a little bit of a surprise uh, given Chaney's pedigree. But uh, maybe he was just going with what what he had to work with along the offensive front, you know? Yeah, well, I mean – Everybody had to have known that the offense was going to be have to be. And I mean, it's just terminology, terminology. So we're not calling anybody dumb, but right, right. I mean, you had to know the offense had to be dumbed down for a true freshman to come in and run the show. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, with hopefully with a bigger offensive line and more push up front and a more experienced Jacob Eason, we could be more balanced and have things like the wild dog work better. Because, I mean, crap, oh. we get in regular I-formations with 10 guys in the box. Right. I mean, Jesus Christ, the wild dog, certainly, and especially with Isaiah McKenzie being involved, 
I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not running a wild dog with 165 pounds kid up the middle or in motion or any of that. Yeah. Not where well, even in eye formation, there's already 10 men in the box on us. Right. Well, and talking about Eason, there's been a lot of, seems like a lot of positive vibes with uh, with him and how he's kind of taken the, taking on the mantle of being the, the leader of the team, you know, being the face of the program. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he still had his overthrows and, you know, crap like that, but there hadn't been talk of as many, you know, what. <clears throat> that was, like, one of the ugliest stats they talked about, I think it was during the spring game, where he said he completed, like, what, 16% of his passes of, what, downfield passes 25 yards or more or something like that. Yeah, something right the along those lines. Percentage. I think the second worst was like 30-something percent. Right. And, you know, obviously not all him. You know, there's some drops, certainly, that we know about. We can recall yeah, right I mean, off that. I mean, that's why it's a team game, but ultimately it is going to come down to him. I mean, that's what you get for being the quarterback. That's what, that's what the quarterback gets. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, Winner-lose. How many overthrows and underthrows he had where – the receiver ran the wrong route, but I mean, unless you're deep in the football, you're blaming mm-hmm. it on Ethan. I'll tell you one thing. One thing that's kind of stood out to me with these, with the press conferences, is it seems seems like we're hearing a lot more from the assistant coaches this year. Is that that seems to be something a little different, obviously from Kirby last year, but obviously uh, as well with you know Rick from the you know the era before. It seems like it was more just the head coach would be the one that did all the press conferences, whereas now I'm seeing, you know, Tucker having one. Maybe it's just because of fall practice. I don't know, but uh, it just seems like we're hearing more from the assistants and the and the coordinators as well. Well, they did it last year. Did they? Tucker and Jamie talked at the beginning of fall practice. But it kind of it slowed as the season went on, though. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do it any after that. All right, okay. I think it's the same thing this year because I haven't seen anybody else. And I haven't right. seen them but that one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing. I do. I do of... like what they did with uh with the Twitter and Instagram accounts. They let the assistant, <laughs> one of the assistant staffers, take the camera around the hotel. Yeah, it's just where I was going. All the next guys were eating and in the rooms and stuff, and that's that just was funny, dude. Yeah, the hashtag UGA Camp Life. Um, oh yeah, that joke was funny. <laughs> ben Cleveland killing a breakfast looks like uh, waffles and eggs and sausage and uh, QB hair one hundred and one had Eason on there. Had Big Ben was talking about eating a lizard before. All kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> I think he titled that one "Country is Cornbread." Yeah. We had the uh, audio. I got the video, but uh, it never does sound good when I play it over the speaker. But or I go ahead and play it. But uh, it was cool, man. It gives you a little bit of insight to, you know, kind of get let you help you kind of know the guys a little bit. You see, kind of the, some of the camaraderie with with everybody and good, you know, just just getting through that daily grind. You know, that grind of camp you know, fall camp and getting ready for the season. You know, you're still, what, two weeks, three weeks away, so it's like 
it's getting close, but you still, for these players especially and these coaches, it's like the grind of going out there every day and getting through it, then going to class and everything else, which we can yeah. maybe discuss a little bit of that that later too. But uh, but it, it's, it's something that just kind of keep them, you know, keep them chill, keep them enjoying everybody and everything about it and, and uh, getting in it and, and just building on Because it's usually the best teams. A lot of times it seems like they kind of build that camaraderie and, you know, just that team chemistry gets going and you just you kind of build from there, you know? I don't think I could room with Julian Rochester. <laughs> that dude had me laughing too much, man. <laughs> I thought you meant there wouldn't be any room. <laughs> no, nah, man, he's a trip. <laughs> I mean, that dude, he would have me laughing too much. <laughs> oh, plus the, uh, oh, I can't remember who it was now when they showed the dude fixing his plate. I can't remember who it was, but it was like three pieces of chicken, Salisbury steak, macaroni and cheese, and a couple of cheddar biscuits, I think. <laughs> I'm like, dang, I could eat that right now. <laughs> that junk looked good. Of course, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't work it off as quick as they do. I'd just get fat. Right. <laughs> Man, that food looked good. They ain't good. Yes. Yeah, you think with all the – you wouldn't think it would be a lot of biscuits and fried chicken and stuff like that. You know, you figure it would be grilled and, you know, work a little bit more. They're trying to keep the weight on them, man. Right. No doubt, man. It's it's a good – seems like a good – some good things going on, man. So it's hopefully they can keep everything going and – you know, just get get ready for the season. You, you can definitely tell a difference in the – seems like the, the strength and conditioning guys are really working these guys hard. Um, it is a – they're kind of getting that look finally of, you know, how other elite teams look. I know you can't always base anything off of that, but at least you've got the look down to where it's – it looks like they're ready to go and, and just look different than how they used to, you know? Well, I think I think you've had plenty of years where you look at the team like, okay, you hate to always bring up Alabama, but that, I mean, they're obviously the best in the SEC right now. That's who you want to measure yourself against, but that's who you want to get to be like and beat. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's been years, okay, the year we played them in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. Our our number ones didn't look that much different from their number ones, right? But when you go look at their kickoff team next to ours, you go look at their backups next to ours. It was night and day difference. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're seeing now is we're building that kind of depth. Where and nothing against the guys, but Jesus Christ. I mean, you got to draw the line somewhere from just being too nice and having guys on the team that don't need to be on the team. Right. And being, like, just ruthless, like Saban with his roster management. But, you know, I mean, there's got to be a line in there somewhere. But I think what you're seeing is, especially on the offensive line, we're building that depth now where our number twos and threes look like our number ones 
and flight life are number one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we, you know, we've kind of been clamoring for is not have that drop off when when you do sub in seconds. You could do the whole where you could do the whole second string practically, or give you know sub in one tackle for another to give a guy a rest, or if somebody's you know gets banged up a little bit, or you don't have the drop off from from the ones to the twos or threes. However, you need to to adjust it around, and you know that's been the biggest thing is. It's finally getting to that point to where you're not, maybe not seeing as, quite as much drop off. Now, certainly, on, hey, one of my one of my favorite guys of the past few years. And I never trashed him because I liked him because he played tough and played the best he could and worked his ass off. But we're not going to be in the position anymore, anymore where one injury brings Connor Norman in. <laughs> yeah, I love Connor Norman. Cheers for him like crazy when he came in, but God Almighty, I didn't want to see him coming in that ball game. That wasn't Aaron Murray. That wasn't Aaron oh. Murray playing defense. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times somebody would say we'd be watching the game and Connor Norman would be in at safety or corner, wherever he would be put him in at. What's Aaron Murray doing out there with him on defense? <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, I love me some Connor Norman. <laughs> but God Almighty. Yeah, I just remember that uh, little, well, I don't know, that Clemson game where he had the just a misstep on one thing and didn't have the recovery speed to make up for it. You know, other, oh, some Jesus. other guys might be able to make up for it if they make a little Lord, misstep. Lord, my boy Connor Norman, well, <laughs> I loved him to death, man. I mean, he's like the epitome of the way you want a guy to act and try and where you know, the whole nine yards. I mean, perfect teammate and all that good stuff. Hey, God almighty. Yeah. And if we ever have that happen again, I'm just going to lose my crap. <laughs> oh, man. Um. How about anything from the uh, practice field with uh, how the secondary and, and playing any playing time shaking out there? There's so many guys. Obviously, you got um, Dominic Sanders back. You know, three year starter now. Um, you know, who else is going to Aaron Davis, um, Parrish? All those guys have got tons of playing time, but there's tons of talent behind those guys now. You know, I'll tell you this. I talked to two, two separate guys. I went to two separate practices. And as far as I know, don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And one of them kind of gets overly excited about everything. <laughs> and always likes to use the word pest. And so, you know, like this. The word best. So he was just like booming. <coughs> this is going to be our best defense in years, our best defense ever, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, he knows what he's talking about, and I think it is mm-hmm. going to be a good one. But I talked to another guy, and he's like, it has the potential to be one of our better defenses in a long time. Mm. It's definitely one of our more mature ones. Yeah. I mean, you got juniors and seniors across the board. Right. 
Well, you know what? They can correct the red zone stuff, which I don't know what happened with that. I don't know if it I don't I just don't know. I don't know if it was size. I don't know if it was coaching. I don't know if it was learning schemes. Combination of all of the above, but as long as they can fix the red zone stuff, I, I believe it's going to be a, a pretty elite defense. Yeah. Well, you know, and another guy that I didn't mention, but is not a freshman, but a new new face in the program is uh, J.R. Reed. I've heard tons of good good things on him too. Coming in, transfer from Tulsa, um, and he's cousins with. Uh, Oh shoot! What yep. was his name? Yeah, D'Angelo Gibbs. That's. But I've heard tons of you know people were saying, oh, they just brought him in just to help help with Gibbs. Well, he's been one of the names that I've heard a lot about so far this year. So. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that right could now. That be a huge pickup. As good as Alabama's linebackers are, Rocon Smith might win the best linebacker award in the nation. Yeah. Whatever it is, the whatever trophy. I'm telling you, watch out. Is it the uh Nagurski or Yeah, whichever one it is, I'm I'm telling you. He's got as good of a chance of winning as anybody. That's yeah. Kid's super athletic and uh again. Even though he was kind of out with, what was it, his shoulder, I believe. Mm-hmm. He, he, Coach Smart had kind of talked about him and how he kind of helped be like a coach, you know, for the players, you know, helping them learn things and being there around the around the program all the time, and you know, so it, again, leadership, you know, that's that's one thing that's kind of hurt the program is people coming in and and being leaders, because it really, the coaches can sit there and say it all day long and every day over and over and over again, but until the players really start holding other players accountable, it's it's hard to really build the kind of leadership that you truly need in to, to build a winning championship-level program. And it sounds like that might be starting to take root, you know? Mm-hmm. People that... People that went to the open practice will be able to tell you this, too. That's what the other guy said was, and I think you even said something about it earlier. But these dudes look different. Yeah. These dudes, man, they're big. They're sick. Even even the offensive linemen. That's, that's one of the main differences you could always see. <coughs> With our offensive lineman and Alabama's offensive lineman, mm-hmm. you get their dudes up there, man. Those dudes' arms look, and nothing against Diaz. I mean, he's playing in the NFL, but even right. Diaz, who was probably our best offensive lineman, man, their mm-hmm. arms and chest look twice the size of Diaz's. Right. I'm like, man, where are they feeding these dudes? <laughs> but it's not so much anymore. Now I'm looking at our dudes, and I'm like, man, where are they feeding these dudes? <laughs> hey, Kirby, and, and they the always difference. say it's strength and conditioning. You gotta, you gotta give it at least in the year two to see a difference. 
Right. But man, ah, those may be the best two hires Kirby Smart made. Yeah. And I like pretty much our whole coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, but that's uh, bad. Yeah. Sinclair and, and, and what, God, what's, what's the dude's name? Uh, hold on, I'll look. Sinclair tweets more. That's why I remember his name. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I always see him on the field. Uh, Aaron Field? No. It's not F-E-L-D. Do what? It's not Field, F-E-L-D? No, he's there, but Sinclair and Sinclair's buddy, where they've been together for a long time. A big, bald-headed, mean-looking sucker. <laughs> Looked like he was uh, ripping in half with his bare hands. Is he the one that was doing the uh, power lifting and all that stuff? Man, all of them were. <laughs> I mean, man, I was like, these dudes, they don't just teach it. They live it, too. <laughs> Hold on, going through it, going through it. Kevin Perman, Sinclair, Prince is the nutrition coach. Uh, da, da, da. Nah, keep going. Oh, looking home. Um, Ellis, Ed Ellis? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sinclair and Ellis. Yeah. Because forever it was Ellis that was the head guy. Sinclair was like the assistant strength and conditioning guy, but we, we flipped it up. Yeah, Sinclair, he's the one kind of, I guess they're always, both of them are in the gym with him, but. Sinclair's usually one you see on, like you said, on on Twitter and on the videos, really pushing the yeah, guys, and more stuff, bringing that energy well, to the to the weight room. Oh, and I'm telling you, those those two man, uh, maybe the two best hires Kirby Smart made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Uh, I go, I go those two, Schumann and my boy Dale McGee. <laughs> I think, and, and you could say Pittman because obviously Pittman, but everybody kind of expected it from him, you know, because he was Pittman and he had that reputation right. coming in. Right. All right, how about this? Let's, you know, this is kind of off the cuff a little bit, but how about a, is it time to start to be concerned with defensive line coach, man, maybe not on the field, but with the recruiting? No, oh, man, you got a good – Give the dude at least one recruiting cycle, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, you get hear hear people starting to complain and whine about it already. I told a bunch of big damn babies that don't know about freaking recruiting or football. <laughs> Jesus Christ, is it Burger King? <laughs> you can get a freaking urinary water right away. How many people? I told you I wasn't going to bring it up again, but you're making me do it. How many people <laughs> were bitching and moaning? About who's Del McGee? What's Del McGee doing? What's Del McGee doing? He can't recruit like B. Mag. Del McGee, Del McGee, and six in the morning about Del McGee. 
I told him to just wait and watch. And now what's he done? Turned into... How did give the dude time? Yeah. You don't know who he's talking to. You don't know who he's trying to flip. You don't know who they're sitting on. I mean, there's way too much stuff that we don't know anything about unless you were in that freaking recruiting room talking to him and Kirby Smart. There's too much that you don't know about to say he sucks to get rid of him now. Right. Yeah, it's uh, just starting to get, you know, people, you know, we saw, you know, Sandage has all the crystal balls to uh, South Carolina right now, 100%. To, to okay, most of the fans went there. So right. Scott doesn't suck if he doesn't pull Sandage. And I don't, I don't necessarily, I still don't think it's over for Sandage, to be honest. Oh, neither. Who has Scott not gotten that he should have got? Well, I guess Win would be considered one right now, certainly. Rocker, but that's not Tracy Rocker that's not wouldn't have got Win. Tracy Rocker right. wouldn't have got Win if Win got a committable offer from Alabama. Right. Next. Who else? Britton Cox well, is the defensive end of Ohio State. Tracy Rocker wasn't getting Brendan Cox. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not over this year. You just don't know yet because, like you said, it's still got until February. This has a lot more to do with <clears throat> UGA defensive line depth, the names of the guys that's on UGA's defensive line already. Mm-hmm. has a lot more to do with UGA and the situation than it does Trey Scott. Right. And yeah, I think it's more about April the ninth. What's today? The ninth. Yeah. Last I checked, August ninth wasn't National Signing Day. Right. Yeah, I don't necessarily know that there was anybody you could have come in, could have brought in, and just automatically flip a bunch of defensive linemen to start coming to Georgia. I think this kind of like you're saying is this is a little bit more of a product of a couple of years of of neglect along the defensive line. Well, I, mean, if, I mean, okay, look at Alabama's defensive line right now and look at Georgia's. Mm-hmm. The ones are comparable. We're deeper than they are on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just are. I mean, and that's one thing that they can fail right now. We're 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 deeper than they are on the defensive line, and we may be deeper than they are at DB. Right. To be honest, I mean, that's not what I'm going to say. If I'm trying to sell recruits, but right. I mean, they don't have backup linemen of Julian Rochester, Hawkins Muckle, David Marshall. I mean, you go on and on, dude. Mikael Carter. Right. I mean, that's a tough depth chart to sell. Yeah. And it's going to be the same with the DBs. I mean, you see, they're sitting there and they're looking at freaking freshmen like Gibbs and Trey Bishop and now Amir Speed. I mean, they're looking at all those dudes and it's like, well, crap. Mm-hmm. 
No, man. And, this trade got a freaking recruiting year to do something, dude. Yeah. Well, and not to belabor, you know, the point, but, you know, I feel like we've we've talked about this before, but you can build some depth, but when you can really build elite depth, they're not going to come until they start seeing the product on the field match yeah. the elite level, you know? Well, you know, it's going to be... And that's what that's what the easy silver for Alabama is then. It's, okay, did you want to go and sit for Georgia and watch them lose three or four games a year, or do you want to come here and get the championship ring while you're sitting in the bench waiting for your time? Right. Well, I mean, that's an easy pick. And if I'm not a homegrown Georgia boy that just loves Georgia, that's an easy pick. Yeah. I mean, even right now, okay, last year, do you want to come to Alabama and play for championships, or do you want to play for a first-year head coach? Right. Easy yourself. Yeah. Um, well, I guess kind of get into some recruiting as well after, you know, we talked a good bit about the practice report, coming, you know, for the last few days. But uh, Ojolari came out and, had said he was going to be announcing his decision uh, to commit. When tell us, you know, when that may be, and uh, is it still looking good for for Georgia and uh, with him out of Marietta High next, School? Next week was it Tuesday or Thursday? Um, it's before. I think it's Tuesday because don't they start practice on a on Wednesday or something like game All right. game week? No, no, it's Thursday because it's uh, their first game is Friday, and they wanted to go ahead and have everybody come in for Thursday, get it out of the way, so that they don't have a bunch of people asking them all the time. I think that's what I they said. I was lazy. Said. I was sitting here asking Peanut m and since I asked you earlier if it was Tuesday or Thursday. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Thursday because I remember reading that about the coach, head coach saying they don't want to have you know be pestered throughout the whole season waiting on it and, and they want to before the season gets even started they want to go ahead and just have it announced and known and be done with it. Well either way Georgia the UGA is getting good news next week. How about that? Okay. Speaking of elite depth, huh? Bring in like him. Dude if we can pull Caleb Tanner, Ojalari and Adam Anderson. Mm-hmm. That's nasty. Yes. Kind of feels. Kind of. Kind of like. I kind of like what Kirby Smart's doing since he's a big, you know, defensive mind. Mm-hmm. He can take. <coughs> he can take more risks with the defensive players, probably because he trusts himself, coaching them up more. Mm-hmm. So where you could take a guy like. Like a lower rank wild geese, right? And say, okay, this is dude that he has qualities that I can just coach up. So whereas on the offensive side, looks like we're just flat out recruiting more elite players on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, if you look at our potential recruiting class, which I do believe we get these guys, you're looking at we are getting the number one running back. 
If we get Justin Fields, number one dual threat quarterback, which I do believe we mm-hmm. get him. Sawyer and Hill, number one guard, number two guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, dude. Cook, the number three running back. Right. All right that's flat out elite players on offense. Cole Ford at tight end, top five. Yeah, I mean, if we can pull Ford with, with Fields, the field comes, I mean, it's starting to get that flat out elite players, dude. Mm hmm. As like even last year, going after Fromm was what top five quarterback in the nation or whatever. Right. Isaiah Wilson, one of the top offensive tackles. Andy Thomas, one of the top offensive tackles. Vittori, one of the top offensive guards. Swift, one of the top running backs. I mean, it's just flat out elite players on offense. Not a top tight end. I mean, you go on and on and on. Yeah, and so it I seems like, like I like that he's I like that he's building it that way. In the past, you see guys like uh, one of the better offensive guys that took over. In the past, it just seems like you see offensive guys take over. I guess the calls of their reputation, and they would mm-hmm. build like just elite offensive groups. And then the defense will struggle. Or you see a guy like Muschamp, who built some of the nastiest defense that they've ever had at Florida. And that gun, they can't score for nothing because he just didn't have that offensive mind. Right. And I think that's going to be your difference in Kirby and Muschamp. Right. It's Kirby's recruiting those elite offensive players. Mm-hmm. And not just depending on his defensive talent and his defensive coaching. Yeah, it's uh, and I, I kind of like too how, like last year, it seems like they kind of focused on adding some size to the to the wideout spot, you know, with Holloman and um, and um, Webb and and you know, kind of six foot plus guys. You know. They added size everywhere. Well, yeah. But I'm just focusing on that wideout position. But now this year, it seems like they've kind of focused more. And maybe it's just because that's the the most talented receivers. But this year, they're kind of going with those those kind of shifty, you know, super quick guys like a Kyrus Jackson, you know, Josh Van. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the kids. I'm just saying. Uh, wait, wait till more practice videos come out. And look at the size of Gibbs, Speed, and Bishop. Compared to our senior safeties and, and DBs. Right. You, you would get mixed up who were the seniors and who weren't. Yeah. Uh, even the offensive linemen. Look at, I mean, good God, the difference in the offensive linemen. Right. <laughs> right. The sheer freaking size of them. I mean, because you're talking, okay, last year, going across the line, Catalina was what, 315? You got Wynn that was playing, had to have been 285. You got Coos that was playing, had to have been 280. Right. <clears throat> Who was playing right guard? Gallier playing right guard at what, 305? Right. Who was playing right tackle? Was it Colton still here? 
Houston, uh, who was and uh, didn't win play a little bit out there too. All right, but I mean, you're looking what three fifteen there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking average three hundred, just about. And I mean, just this offensive line class: Andrew Thomas three thirty five, Victoria Johnson after he lost weight three thirty. Justin mm-hmm. Schaefer after he lost weight, three forty. Isaiah Wilson, three fifty. Right. And even last year, Ben Cleveland, three forty five. Solomon Kenley, Kenley came in at three freaking seventy and down to three thirty five. Right. Yeah, I mean yeah. just the sheer size of the younger guys is like Jesus Christ. And if we keep recruiting <laughs> like that, I mean our whole team's just gonna be a bunch of big, nasty dudes. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right a lot out. I think, you know, we went exercise last year because, I mean, Lander, 6'5", Webb, Holloman, both 6'2", 6'3". And then the top guys this year are what, Kieris, you know, 5'11", Van, 5'10", 5'11". Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore is like six one, I think. Yeah, that's. Uh, we are going after the more you know, shiftier kind of playing the slot guys, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moore was the guy I was about to bring up. Um, his recruitment really picked up in the last what two or three weeks, it seems like, and then now he's. Isn't his announcement coming up in a couple of weeks? Also, yeah, he's going. He said he's going probably going in August too. And his he stated that his two favorites for uh, our leaders right now were Georgia and, and Ole Miss. Which... Yeah, those, those are those are the two recruiting hardest. If, before that happened with Hugh Freeze, he was all but a lock to Ole Miss. You know, yeah. you hate to use that word because it's freaking recruiting and these freaking teenagers can just switch <laughs> at the right. snap of a finger. But I mean, I mean, he was pretty much done to Ole Miss, dude. And then right. all this came up, and it's like, whoa, hit the brakes. And yeah. then he uh, took a visit. He was another one that was at the opening with Fields. Right. And he got around Fields and all the key areas for Georgia boys, and he's like, all right, I'm taking a visit to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, man, we posted the video. I think it was one of the scout guys that posted it on YouTube. We posted a video where they interviewed him. He was talking to Ole Miss and couldn't even remember Hugh Freeze's name. He's like, oh, the coach that left Ole Miss, what's his name? And, you know, he's up in trees. But then when they asked him about Georgia, man, that dude lit up. Lit up, didn't he? Oh, man. Hmm. Well, well, I mean, we, uh, could, we could end up taking Elijah Moore and Kiaris Jackson to call it a day at receiver. Yeah. Especially if Van you know, still seems to be totally split between Georgia and South Carolina right now. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we turn any of those three down, but right. I think it could end up being Van at South Carolina. Right. Especially with next year's receiving class where you already oh. have Hazelwood and uh, on board, um, Blaylock on board. Now, I do know a- I did – I did There's notice they just did five uh, star receiver that we brought in. <laughs> five star ranked five star out of high school. Yeah. No, they did. Oh, Green uh, was ranked a five star. He was a four star, wasn't he? Who? 
AJ Green. AJ, uh, I, I want to say he and Julio were five stars that year, but I'm not 100% sure. So either AJ Green or Marlon Brown? Brown was, yeah. From, yeah. All right, who's won any before that? Was Reggie Brown one? Was he? I'm not sure. Is Brown oh. and uh, the other, oh, man, the kid that uh, never was solid, was decent, but he never really played like a five-star. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but it was kind of around that same class, I believe. So we're talking at our best times, one every three years or so. Mm-hmm. Every two to three years, however, you know, however you want to put it. That day, I'm sure, and the number one ranked receiver and the number two ranked receiver in the same year. No. Well, and, uh, you know, not sure what's going on with that, but or with his recruiting, but Sheffield is now the number one athlete. Not They moved him from from receiver to athlete now, according to most of the services, I guess, but he's the top athlete in the country now. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, which potentially could be a receiver as well, you know? Who knows? Um, how about uh, Kyrus Jackson? You know, we talked about him for a minute, but he kind of had a – there was a report, and I honestly, I don't know who it was that, that had it. So, but uh, – and you can say if you remember, but – Apparently there was another another time where he reiterated how he wanted to play with Fields, Salyer, and Hill at the next Man. level. Man, <laughs> I tell you um, what, if this dude picks anybody but UGA on the nineteenth. Oh, <laughs> I can't think of another time since. We started the site since we were on the other site since we've been following recruiting where it'd be a bigger surprise. <laughs> I didn't think anybody but UGA. I can't think of a bigger surprise. Tunzel went his. It would be a bigger surprise than Tunzel do full of his crap. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he again and hopefully he gets his wish if he does commit to Georgia. But really is there and I have I haven't gone through it all but is there another common thread with those four kids other than than Georgia right now? No, Pierce will be the one to come in and be the the vocal recruiting piece. Right. He's got enough connections. He's got the personalities, and you know he's nothing loudmouth. Not saying loudmouth's a bad thing. I'm a loudmouth. Right. You know he's just he's he's just he's got he's got the things to do it. Right. So where he could have, he has the pull to go out to two five stars like Sawyer and Fields and say, get your asses in gear and get the UGA. Yes. And say, hey, come and visit with me this weekend and all that. I think they see mm-hmm. him as a good enough player and, you know, a good enough guy and straight up with him and all that where they trust him enough or respect him enough for him to be able to help pull guys like that. Kind of the account of, of the of this year's mm-hmm. class. Huh? Oh yeah. I I could see Kyrus being that guy. He, 
And it was just hard to think anybody has quite the personality LeCount has. You know, he's not quite as crazy as LeCount, I guess you could say, but I think I think he would be our main recruiting guy. Right. The any other recruiting things? Kind of been. I did. I will say there was nice to see some crystal balls going in for uh, Salyer from a couple of the Clemson insiders as well. Sure. Definitely, definitely had to be a good feeling there. They know what's going on. They ain't getting the big guy. <laughs> um, I'm telling you right now. Whoever starts at the guard spots this year, one of them's going to lose in the next year to Jamari Sawyer. I can almost guarantee you that. <laughs> and it might just be Thomas moves out the left tackle and Sawyer takes left guard. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that dude is, man, he's as much of a day one starter as any offensive lineman we've had come through probably ever. Right. How has uh, and this kind of going back to the practice reports again? But has there been any mention of Demarcus Hayes and how he's adjusted from JUCO to a uh, SEC ball? I think in spring, I think he had a tough time going from left tackle to right tackle. I think he's playing now, being playing better now, being the second string left tackle. Okay. But JUCO played left tackle. Wait, I'm saying that right. What'd you say? Hold on. Let me make sure I'm saying it right. Yeah, second string left tackle now. In the spring, we tried him more at right tackle. Oh, uh, okay. Well, he, he, you know, moving from JUCO to SEC and switching sides like that, I don't, I don't think it worked out great for him. Right. He'd been left I think tackle we're trying to find somebody to take that starting right tackle spot. So I think it's working out better for him back at left tackle now. Gotcha. He could play a pivotal piece as well with his ability and, and you know, having kind of been through some college-level battles as well, you know. All right, he's uh, a good dude, man. Yeah. Uh, how about any other recruiting stories, any – seems to be keeping an eye on it. I mean, pretty much, I think people are just waiting. I think some of the fields every day, every hour checkups have kind of slowed down a little bit just because it was so exhausting for so many Man. people. <laughs> just seems like as exhausting as it was for everybody following it. How exhausting was it for him, a high school yes. senior? I mean, he's, awesome. got, he's got, you know, once he pulls the trigger, that's, you know, it obviously he's still going to get media attention and everything, just being the top, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. But it's got to be easier than just, you know, having everybody constantly asking you pretty much the same questions day, you know, every interview. When are you going to commit? You know, who are you looking at? At least if he commits, it'll be kind of, why this team, but that kind of stuff will kind of slow down eventually, I think. And the coaches will still be 
texting him and blowing him up, I would imagine. No, no team's going to give up on him, even if he does commit somewhere. But um, it's got to – it had to be getting to be a grind on him with Man. pretty much the same questions over and over and over again. That's what Jason even said. He was going to take in a couple of the early games. And then yeah, so he may go. Ball, but, you know, I don't know. He may go until September, but I, I I don't know if it goes much past September for sure. No. He's got to want to focus in on, you know, just his own season, his high school season, you know. Well, especially being the quarterback of the team, too. Right. And not having the... You know, D one pieces around them that everybody else does. Yeah, glad he stuck with his high school instead of transferring around to just one of the oh, other yeah. big schools. Trying to form a super team, right? Um, anything else coming up with recruit? I guess Cook. Uh, he he kind of got a little bit of buzz going with. Louisville. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got a guy like Cook that can pretty much go anytime. You got a guy like Fields that can go anytime. You got Ojolari and Kieris that both have scheduled times. Right. I think you'll see uh, Sawyer and Hill wait a little bit, but I think I think both of them are like early signee guys too. Right. I know Sawyer said he was. I can't. Remember on Hill, I think he is too. Okay. And I'm I really kinda of wonder if, you know, you mentioned Kiera's kind of being the the one of the Pied Piper type of recruits, you know, that this class maybe has some of. You know, Chris Smith was you know, thought to be kind of a, a leader in that aspect, but I think Kiera's maybe when he makes his announcement it kind of just kind of opens the floodgates for the other guys to go ahead and, and jump on board. And then once Fields gets on board, hopefully, I mean, I think there I could mean, be some guys. Might see, we might see one or two guys go ahead and pop when Kiaris does, but Fields is going to be the one to open the floodgates. Yeah. When Fields. As long as he takes UGA, because there's a ton right. of guys that have said, you know, I'm going to play with Fields that are considering UGA. Right. I just don't remember a ton of guys that Florida State's also recruiting that would say that, you know, like Ford hasn't really visited Florida. Luke Ford hadn't really visited Florida State. Yeah, he's mostly Alabama and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Right now, Josh Van, South Carolina and Georgia. Right. Elijah Moore is Old Miss in Georgia. Micah Parsons is, you know, down to a top few. I mean, Pretty much every guy that was like, I want to play with Justin Fields or top BGA target. Right. And that's one of the guys. So he, he would definitely open some floodgates, I would think. Yeah, if Fields can go ahead and, and, like I said, just kind of pull the trigger and get this, you know, say, make his make his intentions known where he's going to go. If it's Georgia, I think there, there's some guys that we – you know the that the that the everyday people that just kind of mildly keep up with the recruiting don't really have their names associated with Georgia. You you'll start seeing those names get more and more 
you know, available to Georgia, like like a park. Yeah, you would see more of them visit, visit more, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Phil, Phil himself said he had about eight or nine that he wanted to bring with him wherever he goes. Right. So, and, and you know, kids talk, and I'm not saying blind right. or anything like that. They wouldn't. You know, I mean, realistically, it might be more like four or five, maybe six at the most. But I mean, he would he he a guy like that brings some dudes with him. Yeah. And I mean no some doubt. dudes. I'm not talking about just some retreat. I mean some dudes. Right. You know, there may be, like I said, who knows what receiver could pop if, if he makes a decision. You know, obviously Van and, and Moore are two that were, and Jackson are three that are definitely looking to play. Maybe there's a, you know, one that's nobody really thinking of. Like Chance said, uh, you know. Yeah, you Jordan. never know. So who knows? But uh, that. So until next week, I guess we'll probably won't have. I don't think there's any anything that will announcement-wise that'll happen as far other than until Ojolari and then uh, Jackson the following week. We'll make sure on Ojolari's day and post it on the board. You know, we always have it on there, so you ain't gonna miss nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How about a kind of an off-topic thing, I guess, but somebody that really made a lot of headlines with a little interview is uh, Josh Rosen, quarterback at UCLA, um, kind of raised the ire of, of a lot of folks, especially over near the state next to you over there um, in Alabama. Uh, let's, let me read the quote real quick. Um, as far as the overall quote, it's uh, apparently the oh, guy... Raise, raise the SAT score and see what kind of team Alabama has. Right. Uh, but here's what people need to do, because here's what these media outlets do. They'll take one sentence out of a paragraph and take it out mm-hmm. of context. Right and make a big deal out of it. If you go back and read that entire part of the interview, he did not yeah, mean that, it that way. Right. That's what I was, I was going to read the whole quote. And uh, he's talking to Matt Hayes. Uh, Hayes had asked him if... Because uh, Rosen was coming off an injury... Um, said he missed the game while he was injured. Hayes asked if uh, being out gave him a chance to catch up on classwork. Rosen says, don't get me started. I love school, but it's hard. It's cool because we're learning more applicable stuff in my major, which is economics. Not just the prerequisite stuff that's designed to filter out people, but but football really dents my ability to take some classes that I need. There are a bunch of classes that are only offered one time, there was a class this spring I had to take, but there was a conflict with spring football. So, and he admitted football went out in the end. Uh, Hayes followed up. Um, Rosen explained, look, football and school don't go together. They just don't. Trying to do both is like trying to do two full-time jobs. There are guys who have no business being in school, but they're here because this is the path to the NFL. There's no other way. Then there's the other side that says, 
raise the SAT eligibility requirements. Okay, raise the SAT requirement at Alabama and see what kind of team they have. You lose athletes and then the product on the field suffers. You know, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like a little bit of whining too, though, if you want to, I mean, obviously. It's kind of a... It definitely did, but I don't think it was a direct shot at Alabama, though. I think it's more of a product of what Alabama has done and meant to college football over the last... Yeah, you know, I think, I think it was more of a compliment to Alabama being a powerhouse, and you just use them as an example of a college football team where if you raise the SAT anywhere, see what kind of team they have. Yeah. Well, and that's what makes Stanford such a standout in that aspect is they don't really change it up a whole lot as far as the admittance requirements for college football and regular regular athletes, whereas a school like Georgia Tech does change it up quite a bit, to be honest. Um, but Stanford's been a, a, a beast both academically and on the football field the last, you know, few years, certainly. Do you mean not every Georgia Tech player is an engineer? Oh, my God, you didn't – yeah. Well, I, that's what I meant to say, actually. They're all perfect on the SATs and uh, 4.2 GPAs and – they all take uh, all kinds of crazy classes like that. They don't actually – no, there's no way that they actually take classes over at Georgia State and then, you know, have them applied or trans, transient or transfer students over to uh, Georgia Tech. They don't do that at all. But, you know, that's hearsay anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, Rosen, he, he kind of – I don't know, it came across very whiny and, and, you know, oh, my God, it's like two full-time. There's a lot of people that have two full-time jobs just just to make, just to pay the bills, man, you know? So, I mean. You know what? I didn't even take it like that. I took it more of he was joking around, dude. Yeah. Like, ha-ha, yeah. It's like two full-time jobs, ha-ha. Yeah. Don't even get me started on schoolwork, ha-ha-ha. Let's <laughs> uh, see. So you did say uh, – clarified it's not that they shouldn't be in school human beings don't belong in school with our schedules no one in their right mind should have a football player schedule and go to school it's not that some players shouldn't be in school it just it's just that universities should help them more instead of just finding ways to keep them eligible now i will say this i don't know how just from a georgia perspective and this is everywhere i would imagine but the tons and tons of of tutoring and, and, you know, help on, on courses and, you know, help and learn, you know, if there's something that you need on it and the nutrition side of it and, and helping, you know, there's so much that gets provided to the, you know, these student athletes. It's, I don't know, it just still just is hard to. Yeah, but tell the, for tell the truth. Uh, kind of whiny. Uh, Tell the truth. Is it is it to keep them eligible? Though? Well, I mean, I, I mean obviously. Who, who am I to sit here and argue with what Rose is saying about keeping them eligible and doing that as being like two full-time jobs when I hadn't walked in his shoes? Mm-hmm. Well, but I, I think I it's all... all I want to. But I think that's just it. It, 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 it is that they are doing so much to help these kids, A, to keep them eligible, but 
it's not just finding ways to keep them eligible. It, it's helping them learn, you know, whatever it is, calculus or, or whatever math yeah, or, or history not, or whatever. It's, you not know? This. it's not just, but that's a big damn part of it, I guarantee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. I mean, it, it's it's something that works. It's beneficial to the school to keep the, these kids eligible <laughs> or to the football program. Um, let's see. And, yeah, I mean, and I do think it goes both ways. I mean, these dudes, I mean, I do think they should get paid a little extra because they can't get a job and all that. But, I mean, you've had people in Jesus Christ, I don't even know if I want to open up this bag, but, I mean, you've had people compare it to slavery, and I think that's discrediting slavery and what all those people went through to compare it to yeah. something like that. Right. Because I think they do a ton of the extra perks and all that that make a lot of things easier on them than it does a normal college student. But I do think they get screwed because they make so much money for the NCAA and for their schools, and they get nothing from it, too. Mm -hmm. So I do think they should get paid a little extra or whatever, you know, but I don't think it's to the point of what some of them have argued. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the... um what is it, cost of attendance or whatever? I think that's part of it that's starting to be paid out more. And that, that, that's become a, an actual thing now, right? With the Yeah, and then they, yeah, it has to be because, okay, you got, like, the UC, UCF kicker who, like, can't have a scholarship at Central Florida anymore because he refused to shut down his YouTube channel that he's making money off of. Right. I think that's the biggest little... Bullshit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's uh, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Right, it's not as long as it's nothing, and I don't know if there's any way that they can. I think that's the problem is that they don't have any way to monitor it. Where if some booster came in and said, "Hey, let's let's all click and view this kid's YouTube channel and and boost it up," I mean, some of those people make millions of dollars on YouTube. Not not come on, man. They're not monitoring boosters anyway, unless you're idiots like old men. Come on. <laughs> Give me a break. Unless you're fools like old men saying, here we are, look at what we're doing, screw you, shove it. They're not monitoring boosters anyway. Right. I mean, you could kind of, you could, but I'm saying you could monitor YouTube stuff easier than you could, you know, pay no, off, off the book. Don't you think the NCAA cares bull crap? That's a bunch of crap. They don't no, care I don't, if they're cheating or not. As long as the teams are making money for the NCAA, they don't give a crap if they're cheating or not. Alabama would have been busted years ago. They don't give a crap about monitoring a YouTube channel. They just wanted to prove a point and show that they were still in charge. And you have to do what we say and all that bull fake bullcrap, fake crap. If, if you're going to cheat, you better be one of the cash cows for the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Well, that was another story that came out. I haven't I haven't read it, so I, I don't really want to speak a whole lot about it, but basically the gist of it was it's about, I don't remember if it was 
coaches or that they spoke to or somebody um, said that uh, they felt that 80% of the SEC coaches were cheating. Oh, yeah, that was actually that was a good write-up. Yeah, I, again, I didn't get to read that one, but um, do you remember? Did you did you read it and see who who they were talking about or who did they say? I'm sure they didn't say who. Oh, uh, no, this fool's got to bring up Georgia and Herschel Walker oh, because geez. Florida got blasted in the like 80s for like 119 violations or some crap. Oh, and so he like, tried to throw Georgia in there too, and then like part of it was a good write up, but then part of it is like, okay, you could have put Cam Newton in there, you could have put this in there, you could have talked about Ohio State. I mean, it's, it's like you're selecting and chose who wanted to throw under the bus. Oh, I thought of something like within the last decade. No, he really was talking about recent stuff too, but it started off of Florida and like their 119 violations way long ago, and then they brought up us buying Herschel Walker cars at the same time and went on from there to, like, recent stuff and talk about old Miss and crap. He, he did exactly what the NCAA does. He picked and chose who he wanted to throw under the bus. Mm-hmm. And that's all he did to you. I'm sorry, they didn't, if they didn't bring up any, I guess it was just SEC, but um, I almost look at the, like, pre-90s recruiting, it's kind of like just kind of stuff you kind of laugh off that just, oh, that's just how it was. <laughs> I mean, you paid, you got guys a car or you got, what was it? who was it? It wasn't Herschel that they practically stowed away before signing day, was it? it was, uh, I don't remember uh, who it was. I, I think he was right, though, in saying that it does go on at that level and it's still going on now. I think he was right about that part. He said it went on more then than now? Yeah, it went on more now or about the same now or more. Yeah. I think he yeah, was right about that. It definitely does. Because I think, it, I think then it was all about, you know, it really was about the winning, which it is still now, but I think it's also – the more you win, the more money you bring in. So I think that kind of – I mean, look at the kind of astronomical numbers that these college programs are bringing in because of winning products on the field. You know? Well, he even, he even brought up the point of, okay, a coach basically has the choice of I can do this and, or I can turn my eye to this stuff happening and bring in the mm-hmm. players that help me win ball games and keep my job or I can get fired for not right. winning. I yep. mean, it kind of is that way. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, but as long as everybody's making money, including the NCAA, they still don't care that much like they want you to think they care. Unless somebody is just outright going nuts like Ole Miss. I mean, right. if, they, if they actually really, truly cared, Cam Newton would have never played in a national championship game. Or, hell, about halfway through the season, honestly. Yeah, boy, how much money would they have lost off of that? Right. So, they 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 do their little investigations and do their probations to whoever every once in a while just to prove a point, to, to make it look good and make it look like they're 
keeping everybody on up and up and all that bull crap. But I mean, I, I think I think as long as they're making money, they're going they're going to investigate the right people to keep everything going the way right. it is. So, I mean, how much are they really? How much are they really losing if they give Ole Miss basically the worst case scenario next to the death penalty? They're not going to lose anything off that. Right. Well, they already got the bowl ban. There may be more coming. Well, like, okay, look back at Albert Means. How much did Alabama get in trouble for Albert Means? Right. And they weren't even uh, that big time back then. They weren't even the like big time cash cow back then that they are now. But right, man, they could have got so much more for Means. Well, but really, I mean. How could how could the NCAA upgrade their investigate? I mean, they don't even have subpoena power. I mean, they're, they're, there's no way for them to really, if somebody doesn't want to talk or, or help the investigation of the NCAA, there's really nothing they can do about it other than just maybe look at circumstance, circumstantial evidence. That, that'd be why when you get cases like. Georgia Tech, where the dude was freaking, what, selling T-shirts? And I hate to take Georgia Tech's side on something, but the dude was selling, like, T-shirts. Mm. And it ended up they lied about it or something. And, like, NCAA gave them way worse than something else that happened that was three, four times as bad. But Tech got hammered way worse. Right. Because they ended up basically telling the truth. Same thing with, like, Gurley. We right. I mean, look how... Look how A and M challenged the whole Johnny Menzel thing, and look how much time he missed. Mm-hmm. If we would have lowered up and challenged that and said, "Okay, screw you, prove it," and 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 lowered up in the whole nine yards, they they wouldn't they wouldn't have hammered Gurley as bad. Right. Well, I mean, they, think about it. even on they, even they selectively even on, they selectively enforce according to what's best for them. Well, Auburn, for one, with Cam. But look at even Ole Miss, as blatant and obvious as everything was with recruiting, it took Houston Nutt and his and his team of lawyers to basically break that case open and, and show the, the phone records of what was going on. And that's what got him really in trouble, even more. Oh, this is so stupid. Oh, all they had to do was apologize to the man. Right. All they had to do was say, I'm bad. We didn't mean it. It wasn't your fault, Houston. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all they had to do. All the bad. He, he, he didn't even want money. All he wanted was an apology and right. say it wasn't him. It was they had already signed. Whether it was true or not, they had already signed that they wouldn't throw him under the bus. <laughs> And all they had to do was say sorry, which, by the way, nobody has brought up. If, and, and this is only Houston not too, if he wasn't cheating like a mofo, why would he have them sign something like that in the first place? Right. That's how he right there. He was cheating. Yeah. The same way everybody else is. Why? I mean, why? Why? It's like, it's like, 
It's like if you and your wife got a divorce, and, and in your divorce papers, you had her sign a paper saying that she would never tell your new girlfriends or your new wives or your new family that you ever cheated on her. Mm-hmm. Why would you have her sign that if you had never cheated on her? Right. Come on. Yeah. That goes to show you right there. He was cheating on all of them, dude. <laughs> and if you sit there thinking your team doesn't, and you're pissed off because the other team does, you're just pissed off because they're doing it better. Right. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it, it's happening everywhere. You just you you got to be smart. You can't pull what was it? Uh, How mummy back in Kentucky with the sending using what were they using texts or something or uh, I don't remember what it was, but or self addressed envelopes or something something like that happened and that ended up getting them busted and then oh good lord the SMU days it, it's crazy man well and I, I think there are guys doing it at different levels too where somewhere like the head coach is just kind of turning a blind eye to it and doesn't want to know about it it's just going to pretend it's not happening and I mm-hmm. think you'll get some to where they are actually heavily involved too Right. Yeah, some of them just have that, you know, plausible deniability factor going on. They don't really know what, what or who or what's, you know, how it's happening, but they may know a little something, but then there's some that are, you know, more involved. But then there's, then there's guys like, uh, oh, what was the Powell waiver? Trooper. Trooper. There's guys like him and freaking... Freaking Bergeron and Tosh LaPoy that are just gosh, probation's waiting to happen. <laughs> yep. That's why I say if you're going to do it, put all of them on one staff, win a few championships, and if you get busted, you just get busted. <laughs> Hopefully by then you can you'll have it built up enough that you can replace them with regular people and that's what I'm saying. Keep it going. I mean, I mean that that has to be the plan. Just put them all on one staff. Do what you got to do. Win you a few championships. You got the ball rolling. You got all these elite prospects wanting to come and win championships. They get busted. You have to get rid of them. Replace them with really good coaches. And now you have the top-tier recruits and the really good coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, what I was playing. Yeah. Give it a shot. And then deny, deny, deny for, for two or three years. Yeah. And... Deny the crap out of it. Make them prove Nobody sues anybody, so the courts don't have subpoena power. Right. Don't be stupid about it. <laughs> um, real quick, before we get out of here, we had a post in the chat. Uh, from anonymous three nine eight six, and that's real clandestine stuff going on. Jason, uh, two Bama commits will be on campus the last week of this month. Both defensive players. Two what commits? Two Bama commits will be on campus this the last week of this month. Both defensive players. Probably Quay Walker and somebody else. 
Okay. Wonder who I that would, would be. That would be my guess. Right. That would be. Well, one there was a little bit of. He Quay Walker has been to. He he was in Athens last month or. He 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 been in Athens more than one time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, recently, fairly recently, he was he was there as well. He's been in Athens more than one time fairly recently. Right. I'm just saying. Right. Um, My guess would be. Hold on, I'm pulling their their list right. up. Real quick, also, how about Otis Reese? Has there been more talk with Georgia and him? Uh, no, I mean, at, at, at I mean, especially during the dead period. And, uh, I mean, not really, but, uh, you know, his brother's still up in Central Michigan, so you got to kind of keep that in. Oh, who they got? They got Quay Walker. They got Jordan Davis. Well, hell, they don't have that many defensive commits. Yeah, because they're still – about where Georgia is right now in recruiting, they're in the 50s as well, aren't they? I mean, they have been 10 commits, and Stephon Wynn, Stephon Wynn, Jalen Moore Davis, a DB from Alabama, Quay Walker, I would say, and Jordan Davis are their only defensive commits. So I would say probably Walker and Wynn. That's, that's what I was going to say. Because, I mean, Amur Davis is a DB from Alabama. You, I mean, I wouldn't think it was him. And Cameron Latou is the other guy from Utah that just committed to him five days ago. And, I mean, we had never been mentioned with him. And really, David Amur Davis either. Right. So, I mean, that kind of takes both of them out. And that would kind of go along with the narrative that a lot of people still feel when – could end up in Athens when it's all said and done. I would say the only really three possibilities would be Walker, Stephon Lynn, and Jordan Davis, a weak side defensive end from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if you're talking the only two of those that have ever really been mentioned with UGA are Lynn and Walker. So, I mean, if that's true, then I would think it was those two. Gotcha. And, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous 3986 again talking, said, speaking of Bama, they are trying to get in on fields. They are sending out, quote, vibes to see if they are open to offers, quote. And I would say they're not. I would, yeah. That's kind of been one of the more consistent things about the family is that there is no funny business going on with them as far as any of that's concerned, hopefully. Um, and if that holds, that hopefully will keep Alabama out of the mix, to be honest. That, uh, but, from what I can tell, which I'm not near as close to them, the Fields family reminds me a lot, a ton of the Jenkins family. Right. And that actually pissed Jordan Jenkins' mom and sister and all that. That pissed them off. Right. When the offers started coming their way. Right. That may have helped as much as anything, huh? Oh, yeah, this this ASK would be pissed them off. Never mind. Mm -hmm. I'm shut up. (laughs) 
All right, man. You got any any final thoughts recruiting wise or from the practice field and anything? Nah, that's cool. I can't think of nothing else. All right. Yeah, it's it's the bed period this month. The first I guess the first year they've done it in August for some reason. So it's been a little bit slow as far as you know solid news coming out for recruiting, but there's always the chance that something's going to pop. So if it does, <laughs> check out field. Streetforum.com, fieldstforum.com, also on Twitter and on Facebook, Field ST Forum, and uh, you get any you know anything that happens as far as recruiting wise, anything off the major off the practice field going on. Uh, check out the front page on Field Street Forum. That's uh, all the latest stories and with recruiting, and then the Classic City Chat is the drop down box. Check click on the latest date. And there's all kinds of chatter and talk going on in there as well. Uh, give me a follow at the Real Dre on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, how are you, man? I guess that wraps it up. We will have some, I guess, some previews for. Uh, I guess Ojolari. I'm thinking it's Thursday, um, so we'll have one more podcast before Ojolari announces, and then of course at least one more podcast before. Kiaris Jackson. So that'll be the two things to keep keep eyes on for the most part. But other than that, y'all, until next week, go dogs. See you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.